Pulp-MX Network production. Pulp-MX fans, we're 550-plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp-MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mackles Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. I'm Steve Mathis. BTOsports.com, great company. Check them out for anything you need online for your bike or body. They've got it. OEM parts also. They carry all the major brands. If you use the code PulpMX when you're checking out, you can save yourself money that way. We thank those guys for uh, supporting this podcast and supporting the show. They've been doing it for years. And BTOsports.com, of course, with Shorty, Brayton, and Millsaps on the BTO Sports KTM team. And, uh, yeah, thanks to those guys for making it happen. Fox Racing, too, presented by Fox Racing. Foxhead.com, Flex Air, 2016 Flex Air stuff out now. Star Wars partnership is up with Fox. they got an RTD2 helmet. Check it out. And, uh, again, Foxhead.com, visit local authorized Fox dealer, Dungy Rocks, and some of the guys that run Fox. Like I said, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, an interesting guy, a guy that's uh, that's done a lot in the sport and uh, had some great finishes, and we've been trying to do this for a few years, but I finally tracked him down. It's the Stray Cat, Mike Healy. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, man? How's it been? Good. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Should be fun. Uh, no problem. Like you said, we've been trying to get a hold of each other for quite a few years, and yeah. you know, we've kind of missed each other. Both have gone different directions here and there, so I, uh, we finally I had, got to hook up. I had some number, but apparently it never worked because it's not this number. <laughs> so no, no, that, actually, that last number uh, kind of went away after the last time we talked. About six yeah. months after we talked, I got myself back in trouble again and went away for a couple of years so <laughs> yeah i heard that i heard that um and yeah i don't know uh, how much you want to get into that or whatever we don't need to you can talk about what you, what you want but uh yeah I, it's, it's no it's it's over and done behind me it's all that um yeah it's fantastic you know, it wasn't i i didn't get in charge or anything like that it was basically butting heads with my probation officer and thinking that i actually had authority and a little <laughs> bit of power and, and actually i don't <laughs> I, I have absolutely no power and no authority whatsoever. And, you know, I thought I knew my rights and I thought I knew the laws and and I actually don't know anything. So, you know, and my probation officer proved that very, very clearly that, uh, you know, the law has yeah. a lot more authority than then, a, a regular citizen. <laughs> did you try to, did you try to throw out about how you almost were a GP world champion? That didn't, that never worked. <laughs> no, that that didn't matter either. So yeah, really, right? It, that that didn't have any any weight whatsoever. Dude, I follow you on Instagram, and uh, it looks like you're doing well. But you're in barber school. Mike Healy is a barber, which is kind of weird. But yet, when you think about riders who had great hair back in the day, <laughs> it was Mike Healy. So maybe it makes sense. You know what I mean? Because you had some hair, man. Uh, I've, I've gone from having hair to not having hair and probably every color and every style you can imagine out there. So, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so why not? Um, you know, you, 
Yeah, what got into you? What got into you to try this? And how do you been? How you been enjoying it and everything else? Um, well, basically, my daughter had graduated from Golden West in Huntington Beach and got her cosmetology license, mm-hmm. and that kind of just sparked me a little bit, and just something that me and her could do together. Mm-hmm. And you know, somewhere down the road, hopefully, that we can be able to open our own shop up together. And that way she can do the women's hair and I can do the men's hair and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I can actually be that much closer with my daughter. That's so, right. That's what sparked it, you know. I just felt like I had any, you know, skills or anything in cutting hair when I first started. Mm-hmm. You know, and once I started it, actually it kind of took off. I, I do have some skills. I can actually do some of it. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can, uh, Mike, you can show your clients some photos of you back in the day and be like, look at me. Look at this look. I had it all. <laughs> Actually, I've, I've been doing that, like, you know, the clients and some of the other students and stuff at school, you know, when they want to talk about changing hair colors and stuff, I, I show it, like, on my Instagram page. It's, yeah. It's got a bunch of old school pictures, and I just kind of laugh and say, look, hey, I'm not afraid to do it. You guys do it. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Um, when's the last time you rode? Do you remember? How long has it been? Um, I did that photo shoot for uh, Racer X. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was the last time I was on a bike. And at that point, I I was diagnosed with uh, a fractured C6 in my neck. Oh, shit. Okay. And I I was been in pain for quite a few years. I never figured out what it was. Uh-huh. And so when I got diagnosed with that, that was the last time I rode. When I did that photo shoot... And, you know, I got in a little trouble and stuff mm-hmm. and haven't been able to, to go back to get a fix. So now I had my MRI reports all come back again and the the neck is healed. But now I have uh, two discs in my neck that have been completely like ruptured, I guess. And they're going to have to go in and operate and pull those two discs out. Yeah. And put new ones in. So. Oh, shit. That's the next thing. I mean, that's. Yeah. And I'm waiting to be completely done with my skateboard exam and all that. And then I'm going to have to go in for surgery on my neck. Oh, that, uh, that Racer X feature, Eric Johnson did it. Uh, you and him met up and uh, talked a little bit about it. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah. It got, got deep. Uh, what was the reaction to that from, uh, from friends and family and fans about that, uh, well, that piece? I mean, I, it got really mixed reactions. I mean, a lot of people were, were I guess, kind of, glad i guess we're happy that, that i i let it all out mm-hmm. then, then i had people saying that i didn't let anything out but <laughs> you know and, it, and yeah. i tried to explain to them that well when eric first wrote that article it was you know 12 15 pages mm-hmm. yeah and, and you can't you can't put all that in a magazine nope you know i know this i know this believe me <laughs> and, every, and everybody starts talking and you know wants to talk smack and all this and i'm you know, and unless you're the editor and stuff, and you know what has to be in there and what can't be in there, and yeah, you know, so I I was really happy with it. I I put everything out there. I thought it was great. You know, yep. yeah, I think Eric did a great job, and Chris Gans did the photos, and he did a great job, and you know, and anybody who's been down that road, they knew or knows what it takes to to let it out. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's basically, you know, I was I was honest with the with everybody i was honest with myself and you know yeah that's all it is yeah I thought, I, I thought it was great as a guy that writes for racer x and 
you know, thinks about features and that's exactly it. You got 2000 words, you got to squeeze it in. Things get left out, things get changed for clarity yep. and for, for purpose sense. And, uh, what are you going to do? Right. Um, it, it exactly. I think it's ballsy of you to, it was ballsy of you to go out there on that limb, you know, and talk about that shit because some people wouldn't, well, some people don't. Yeah. You know, and basically I, I'm the one that put myself in that position. And there's a lot of kids that have gone down that path or that are still going down that path right yeah. now. Yep. And if maybe me opening the door up to some kids getting help and stuff, then that's it's all worth it, you know? Yeah. So, but actually, I, a lot of people nowadays, I, you know, I went out to day in the dirt and stuff. And, okay, cool. Yeah. And I've actually gotten a, a lot more respect from people than what I really imagined I would. Oh, awesome. Good. So, I was going to ask yeah. you if you'd been out to some races or do you plan to go to some races and, and, you know, I, well, I went to the, what was it? The GT when it came to the state. Oh, okay. Yep. I went out there with Mike Young and hung out and watched that. And then, um, I went to day in the dirt there, you know, I went out there to support, um, a group of guys that were doing, uh, kind of some fundraisers. Mm-hmm. There's a, a young lady, Samantha, that needed a double, double lung transplant. And they got a hold of me just kind of as a a name from the past to help out to see if they can raise some money for this poor lady. And um, I jumped on it. I was on, you know, full-hearted, do anything and everything I can to help this girl out that needed a double lung transplant. Mm. Wow. You know, I, you know, I have a daughter. My daughter yeah. went through some, some hard times when she was a baby, so I know how hard it is. And... You know, if my daughter were to go through that again and where I'm at right now, I definitely need some help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, all I could do is hope that people would step up and help me. So yeah. I, I know exactly what it's like. Right. Right. Yeah, it's good. Um, hey, let's get to, let's talk a little bit of racing your career. Let's get back into the time machine a little bit and talk about. <laughs> so, like, obviously, everyone remembers you. You're Suzuki 80 kid. You were, you know, the fastest kid in the country, or one of them anyways. You and Brooks and Holland and those guys. Um, well, Holland was a little bit before you, maybe. But um, you you got you finished second behind Bobby Moore in the 125 Supercross title. The uh, first yep. year the series existed, you won, won, won a bunch of those races. Did yeah, you? I won Anaheim. I won Seattle. And I think I won one night at Houston or something like that. Yeah. I won quite a few of them. So, but I, I, and then if, Bobby got me right at the end. Yeah. So if you look at your results, like, did you ever get a real shot with Suzuki? I mean, the bikes weren't very good either. It's kind of after the bomber. Um, they weren't the greatest. Did you get a real shot with Suzuki or did you kind of, I know you went to Kajiva there for a second and I don't want to ask you about that too, but what sort of happened in those early years to, for you to leave Suzuki? Cause you were kind of groomed for a long time to be the next guy, you know? Um, I mean, like I said, I, 85, that first year of the 125 Supercross, I, I won my fair share of, of main events, you know? So I, I definitely had some yeah, good, good absolutely. results and everything. Right. And um, I think what the problem was is uh, AMA bumped me up to the 250s immediately the next year. Oh, they did? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, and I was the only one that got bumped, you know? And they said I pointed out. They said I, they tried to move me up to the 250 class halfway through the first year. And they said that they said <laughs> I pointed out of the 125 class, and they're trying to get me out of there. Yeah. And I, which was crazy because I mean at the time I was 16 years old. You weren't big. And, you weren't a big dude at and all. Barely, and barely yeah. weighed 100 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I could barely see over the steering wheel of my truck. <laughs> so, 
You know, it wasn't like I was a big kid on the bike. Yeah. You know, and for me to go the next year straight to the 250 class, you know, that was that was crazy. That was hard. And and, you know, do, I, and that's my my issue was I spent most of the time on the ground. Yeah. You know, I could I could be a contender with them for the first half of the moto. Yeah. But then I just physically wasn't big enough or strong enough to run with the top guys, you know, the David Bailey's and the Ricky Johnson's and the Johnny O'Mara's and stuff. Right. You know, those guys were, were the next generation in front of me. They were the, the men of the, of the race. So, and, you know, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that yet. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at it. I mean, Lachine got Lachine survived. You know, he was 16, but he was also 6'2", 6'4", or whatever he is, you know? Yeah. He's a big dude. And But you look at – there's a lot of guys like you. Like, even later on um, – um, uh, Buddy Anton has got kicked out, and you know he was a couple years only in the class, and he was kind of like, "Wait, wait, I'm not ready to move up," and he got kicked out. And uh, Jeremy yeah. Buell did really well one year for Mitch, and then he got kicked out, and his career was never like. It's kind of like I, I don't really like the guys hanging out nowadays and, and way down in, in the 250 class, staying down there forever. But there, there are times where it's like, "Wait, just a minute, this kid, this kid is not ready," you know? Yeah, and you know that's the thing is it takes a minute to get you know, to groom somebody and, and get their confidence up. And, you know, I think you need to take some time and really look at the riders before you start bumping them out of the classes. Mm-hmm. And you got to not only see how their results are, but you got to see, you know, their physical being. You know, like I said, I was, I was 16 years old and I was, you know, what, barely five foot tall. Yeah. Almost a hundred pounds. You and Bob Moore so together, I, you and Bob Moore together yeah. probably didn't weigh 200 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know we didn't. Cause I know Bobby. Bobby was really small. Yeah, Bobby yeah. wasn't even five foot tall when when he rode Anaheim. Yeah, crazy. So, yeah, we we were just two little kids, you know. And they sent us out there with all the big boys, and yeah, it got ugly every now and then. Hey, when you <laughs> when you were on eighties, and you know, obviously the, there was a big accident in Ponca City with Bruce Bunch, yeah. Ricky Hem. I think I'm forgetting one guy's name. Uh, Kyle Fleming. Kyle Fleming. Um. There, were those? Were Sammy, those? Bruce Bunch, Kyle Fleming, those were the ones that, and Dana Duke. Yeah, I've talked. I've talked to Brooks about it a little bit, um, and I met. That's right around your era too. Were yeah. those? Was, was, yeah. was Bruce Bunch was fast, huh? Like he was. He yeah. was really good. Bruce Bunch was. He was. Uh, he was my buddy. He was my Saddleback buddy. Was he really? You know, okay. He, he grew up just down the street from Saddleback, and Saddleback was my local track. I mean, I was there. Gosh. It, just depended on the week. It could have been seven days a week. <laughs> right, I mean, we, right. there was a, there was a group of us that we lived at Saddleback. Wow! You know? Yeah, yeah. So, and Bruce was part of the R and D. You know, Suzuki team back then, right, and right. you know, there was a whole group of us. Yeah, it, it's. I actually was going through my garage the other day, and I found uh, a memorial shirt for those guys. Oh shit! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. Um, it was Bruce Bunch, Kyle Fleming, Rick Hemme. Yeah, I, I actually pulled the shirt out. It's in my garage right now. That's that's tough. That's tough to deal with when you're a kid, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when you were when you were on Suzuki's, tell I hope you never got on a Honda. And we're like, like, I hope that never happened to you. Because back then, you know, I just did a podcast with uh, Rodney Smith, and he was talking about his early 80s Yamahas and how slow they were. And how they, nowadays the bikes are great. There's, there's not much to choose from nowadays. But back then, man, Suzuki and Yamahas, 
they were not Hondas in the motor department, in the chassis department, or anything. And if you want to talk about 1985, that was a terrible year for Suzuki bikes. And there you well, are. <laughs> well, I I jumped off of it. What was it? 80, 84 was my last year on 80s, and I rode Suzuki. Uh huh. So 83 and 82, mm-hmm. I actually was riding Hondas. Okay. Yep. I, I'd rode Suzuki's my whole career, and I came down to it, and I was just in a rut. Mm-hmm. And that's actually how I got the nickname Straight Cat. Oh, for- I was in, and I was in a rut, and I just, you know, I'd been with R and D and Suzuki, and they've been, you know, great to me for for so many years. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, couldn't go anywhere. I just, you know, I just felt like my wheels were were just sitting there spinning. And Greg Arnett had become the team manager for the amateur team for Fatty Honda. Mm-hmm. And so I went over there and and rode for Honda for a couple of years, and actually won a couple of titles for them on their mini cycle on yep. their 80s. On their 80s, yeah. And my little brother was actually riding for them on the 60s. So and uh, you know I did did two years for them, and mm-hmm. their bikes weren't progressing anymore or anything. And when it came down to it, Suzuki offered me you know, a factory ride on the big bikes. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what pulled me back to Suzuki for the last year, you know, of 84 before I went to the, you know, Supercross. Yep. Huh. So Interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I did the bounce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the end of uh, 86, when you were done with Suzuki and they were done with you and you were into big bikes, you switched to Kagiva. What was that mm-hmm. like? Was it a bad move? Was it good money um, at the time? Did you have any other offers? And, and I mean, I remember no. You you won the Golden State Series on Kagiva, yeah, I, but I um. So you had some well, results. I what had happened was is I I basically I got myself fired from Suzuki. <laughs> uh, being being a, an arrogant cocky kid, yeah, you know, thinking I I was cooler than I was. I had a blue mohawk and. <laughs> The head guys at Suzuki pulled me in and told me that they didn't like the haircut and the color and stuff and that they wanted me to go back to being, you know, the, the California kid, and the, you know, with the sportsman image and all that. Yeah. And I thought they were joking. I said, you got to be kidding me, you know. I'm, I'm doing good. I got results, all this stuff. Yeah. I said, you know, nobody knows I got a Mohawk. I put a baseball cap on and mm-hmm. I got my, my team shirt on and stuff. Right. And the only time you see it is when I take my hat, you know, my helmet off and put mm-hmm. my hat on. Well, you know, sure enough, I show up to the races and, you know, I didn't cut my hair, so I didn't race. Wow. Me. Jeez. And they... so, I mean, it went around the pitch real quick that, uh, you know. This kid is, not yeah. A, right. Yeah, I'm not a team player. That I'm think, I think I'm cool. So I basically couldn't get a ride with another factory. And... At the last minute, Kajiva stepped up and said, hey, you know what, we'll help you out. We'll get you through the Golden State and see how that goes. And if we do anything in the Golden State, you know, then maybe we'll talk about going on and doing the Nationals. Okay. So, I mean, my, my contract was only for the Golden State. And that's when you won them? And, when you won all? Yeah. Okay. So I went out there, and that was the first year that, you know, Kajiva was doing anything here, really. I mean, Ron Turner and a couple guys, local guys were yeah. – we're racing like Ascot and stuff like that. On sure. But, um, so yeah, I, I went out and won the 125 class in Golden State. And that's when Kajiva actually put a little money into it and said, let's go ride the Nationals this year. 
and I, I can't remember exactly, you know, my results for the whole year, but. Dude, they were legit. I mean, they were pretty good. I got them in front of me, thanks to the Racer X Vault. Like. You know, I, I know I, I put in some, some solid motos. And, ninth, eighth, ninth, sixth, you know? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. They, they, they weren't the best in the world, but being the only one, only bike out there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Were they you know, any good? I'm, I'm happy with it. Were the bikes any yeah, good? They bad. Yeah, they weren't bad. They, they were they were good over in Europe. Yeah, yeah, for sure yeah. they were. Yeah. When uh Pekka Vekinen won the world title. Yeah. Yep. And so did uh Strivos. Yep, that's right. And actually at the end of that year, that's when I got to go over and actually ride a, a works bike for the first time. <laughs> you, were, Is, um, you were like, Hey, can we bring well, this back to America? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because it was coming down between Strivos and Vandenberg for mm-hmm. the title. Mm-hmm. And Strybos, they're both countrymen together, but Strybos was uh, on Kajiva and Van Burk was for Yamaha. Yep. And I was Kajiva's rider here in the States, so they asked me to go over there and do a little block ride. Oh. And, uh, you know, and I did it, no problem. I, I went over there and got to ride a works bike and first, you know, for the first time and fell in love with the bike. And yeah. Their works bikes over there were amazing. Unbelievable. People, uh, people got to remember too. When you were riding Golden States and winning, this is the era where factory guys lined up on Golden State races. You know, like yeah. the, it was a different deal than nowadays. It was up until '86. We actually rode work bikes here. Yeah, you know, eighty, eighty, was it '85? I think my two fifty that I had over here that I was racing, I had, you know, I had a double barrel Makuni carburetor on it you know, on a two stroke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I. We had work bikes. We had one-off bikes that nobody else had. You know, they yeah. nobody sees them anymore like that. But no, no, no. You know? So I mean, it was it was a whole different racing back then. Well, know? I was um, I was going to say, how did you get to Europe? But it sounds like Kagiva was the way to get to Europe. Obviously, you switched to KTM for '89, but Kagiva well, was your first way into Europe. They they only brought me over there for the one race. Right. That was it. I I just went over there and, and did the one race and came home. And, um, you know, the next year, Kajiva actually didn't have money to have a race team. Okay. They tried sending me out to do a couple of supercrosses in the beginning of the year, and they brought over, you know, one of the works 250s, one of, like, Pekka's old bikes or something. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, it still had drum brakes on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The back brakes had drum brakes and. Um, I remember, I think it was Seattle. I, you know, I landed off one of the triples and literally couldn't stop and ended up in the stand <laughs> because just the drum brake would not stop me going in the corner. Right. And I just, man, I'm going to kill myself. I can't do this. And at that time, Suzuki had a, an outrageous contingency program. If you know, if you were a privateer, right? You know, it was like twenty thousand dollars a moto. Jeez. To win. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Right. And, but I mean, who would ever think it could be possible? Yeah. But, so I, I had a friend that had a Suzuki 250, and I went and bought a Suzuki 250 and said, okay, I'll, I'll do a couple races as a privateer. Mm-hmm. And went off to go do Gainesville and Daytona. Yeah, got eighth at, at the Gainesville. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I did good there, made a little bit of money, but ended up... Um, getting a call from a guy in Italy mm-hmm. asking me if I wanted to come over and just do two international races and they're going to pay me $1,000 a weekend to, to go and race. You know, everything paid for, you know, and mm-hmm. $2,000 on top of it. Yeah. 
Oh, cool. No problem. <laughs> right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The, my friend, uh, Greg Smith, that I had flown out to Florida with me, I gave him a couple extra bucks to drive the van home and, you know, take care of the bikes. And yeah. I flew actually from Florida to Italy and, um, you know, had no intentions on staying. I was only right. going to go there for two weeks. Yeah. 2000 bucks. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And come home and, and go to the next national. Mm-hmm. And the, the first round I rode a Suzuki over there for, uh, an importer called Carpy. Okay. And the bikes were just clapped out and beat up and, and actually didn't even qualify. And then, uh, the next week we were racing in Majura in Italy, Majura, yep. Italy. And that's where they had, uh, the donation. Right. And I ended up borrowing a 125, a Honda 125 from one of the local guys that was in the little village where I was staying at. Okay. And I actually went there and I, I podiumed all three motos on a 125. And this is against, you know, Joe Bay, all these guys yeah. on 500s and everything. Right. And that's when. And they're like, hey, wait a know, minute. <laughs> you want to stay? Yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, that's basically when Kajiba said, you know, you want to stay. Yeah. And I called home and told my mom and dad, you know, sell the jet ski and sell the truck and sell this and sell that, put the money away. And <laughs> I'm going to stay. Wow, and, you know, that's, that's cool. That's, that's crazy, that's how I stayed, you know? dude. I uh, I start. I want to be a mechanic. I, I was never nowhere near as good of a racer, and I wanted to be a mechanic in the in the USA. And in 1996, I headed down, and I said uh, I got a job with the team for two weeks for free. And I told my my mom, I'm like, hey, I'll be back. Like, I'm just I want to just try this. And I literally never went home again. The two weeks worked yeah. out. I started getting paid. I got a job in '97. And I started being a mechanic, and I never really went so, home to live again. It was really weird. So you know, you know exactly the way it works, <laughs> right? So like, yeah, you're just like, hey, I guess I'm gonna go do this. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I did, and that's, right. you know, did I you stayed over there and so it worked. so in '89, you get a KTM ride, and Bobby Moore is there, and you're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> well, I mean, I ran into Bobby the the first year I was there. Yeah, you know, when I was on the Kajivas, you know. And that was the year that Trampus actually, you know, won. So I mean, yeah, it was it was cool. I you know I had a couple guys to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. We all we all lived in in separate countries, but yeah. Right. It was you somewhat know, of a yeah, somewhat of a of America. You can get you know talk to your buddies or whatever. Yeah. Um, listen to to me as a fan just reading Cycle News and MXA. Parker came out of nowhere in '89 to win the title. Did you have you any know, idea? I. I couldn't even tell you who he was. <laughs> okay. I, I've never heard of him before. Right. You know, the first race in Italy, you know, they were saying there was another American there. and and uh, His name is Trampus. I had, I, I had no clue who he was. I've right. never heard his name before, ever. Right. And uh, and sure enough, he, I mean, I'd not, I believe he won both motos or something like that in Italy. I mean, he yeah. just smoked everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "How the hell did this happen?" Right. Uh, it was yeah. a good season, though. Like, like you, Parker, you and Bobby going at it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. We we definitely we we had our battles, and you know, it was a lot of fun. But, I mean, bikes were fast too, huh? Bikes yeah. were good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bikes were were great. You know. So. Um. So in '89, 
So in 89, so, sorry to interrupt you. In 89, if I'm interrupt you, just tell me to shut up. But Yeah, no worries. Uh, so in 89, you're, you, you know, you're battling for the title with Parker. And in 90, you finished fifth in the points. At that point, are you like, hey, screw Supercross, screw America. I, I want to stay here. I want to be world champion. Was it And the money, was, I guess, was doing all right or you were doing okay money-wise? Well, I mean, the, the first year when I signed with Kajiva, mm-hmm. I, I actually signed for, for no money. I, oh. I didn't get I didn't get a signing bonus, and I actually I didn't even get a, a a winning bonus. It was they were giving me bikes, parts, practice bikes, and they were taking them to the, the races for me. Okay. Yeah. I had to pay for my own mechanic. Really? My own place, my own place to live, and all that the first year. Oh, jeez. And so basically, I had to qualify. I had to make sure that I finished. You know as high as possible because that was, I was living, you know, from race to race. That's what, what I earned is what paid for me and my mechanic. Oh shit. I mean, you were, yeah, that's crazy. I thought you were better than that. I mean, you were doing better than that, you know? No, that's my, my first year was rough like that. Yeah. Yeah. There was times that literally we would get halfway to the race and we couldn't afford it. We'd have to park the car and, you know, we'd rent a car or something. We'd have to park it. And then get on the train and take a train. And, Jeez. you know, wow. it, was, it was tough the first year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we would we'd get a hotel or something Sunday night after the race because I actually had money. Yeah, you were like, I got start money. I got purse money, right? Exactly. Jeez. It, was, it was like that. And, you know, here's a story for you. When I went over there, when I left here and went to, to Italy, I went over there with $1,000 in my pocket. Yeah, <laughs> because I was going to go over there for two weeks. Yeah, I was make two thousand. So yep. Yep. I was I was going to go over there and you know buy some souvenirs and stuff and bring them home mm-hmm. and, and have a cool two weeks. The last race of the year, which was in Switzerland, my dad came over for the last race to be with me, and I finished fifth overall in my first year. Yeah, over in Europe. Yeah. Okay, now when the race was over and done. And I had paid the, the mechanics, made sure everything was taken care of for, for the, everything completely finished and paid off and done. I had a thousand dollars in my pocket. <laughs> Jeez. Is that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of nuts for a guy who was, you know, really good and placing well but, at the but, GPs. Yeah. Yeah. But see now that paid for everything. That paid for a whole year of racing mm-hmm. for a whole year of living. Yeah. I mean, everything that I did, it paid for me and my mechanic to do it for a whole year and yep. covered everything. And now it was time to sign contracts for the following year. That's yeah. when I went on and right. and went to KTM and all that. So, so then I started making good money. You were on a factory. Were you on a factory bike in '89 or just just in '90? Did they give you a factory bike or how? What bike did you ride well, in, in? Was it just a team? Well, to, to do, I had a full factory bike. I had a work. Oh, bike. okay, it was okay. Yeah, I didn't know. It's okay. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to ride. No, I, you know, I'm not going to ride for free. Yeah, you know, on a, on a just a stock production bike. It yeah, was, yeah. A full-blown race bike, you know, the factory bike, the same as Stribos, everything. Yep. You know, I just hadn't proven to anybody that I could, you know, that I was worthy of the money yet. Right, right. So in 90, so, KTM said, hey, here's some money. Yeah, we want exactly. Back factory bike, be with us. And you were, were you trying to go back to the U.S., or were you like, hey, this is cool? Were you all right no, with I, living there I, and everything? Yeah. I stayed. I actually, I moved out of Italy and, and moved to Holland. Yeah. And I hooked up with the guys from White Power Suspension with Hank Toys, and 
they had put together the, the team with KTM and they got me a mechanic and I moved in with my mechanic and his wife and family. Mm-hmm. So I actually had, you know, a foundation underneath me and I was able to have a place that I could call home over there and, and go to the gym and, and have good food and, yep. you know, and actually concentrate on racing, not just trying to survive. Yeah. Not just getting meal to meal or whatever. You were like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a factory guy now. Um, exactly. When did like Guns N' Roses come into this? Right around then? Or when, when did that um, happen? What was up with that? Uh, they were just, you know, some guys I met just at the bars, you know. <laughs> I don't know. That was, you know, every They're, now and then we'd take off, you know, when I was home and okay. go to L.A. and go to, you know, the heavy metal clubs and stuff like that and just. You know, because around this time, I remember, like in Europe, they were talking about you hanging in the mag. Of course, this is just in the magazines and everything else. And they were like, "Healy, you know, he's got the hair and he's hanging out with GNR." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah this guy's yeah, cool." I, I was buddies with him and all that stuff. Right. And, you know, hung out with him, and you know, they they'd come to the races a couple times over in Europe. And did they really? Huh? Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it, it just blew them away because they'd come to the races. And, like, I had a bigger fan base than they did. Yeah, yeah. They you know, were like, But what? if I never went to a concert, you yeah, know, yeah. then it was a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. So, right. You know, they're you know, supposedly, getting, they're, supposedly they're getting back together, Mike. I don't know if you want to get I'm, some tickets or I, not, but. Yeah, no, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, that phase is over. Um, yeah. So, in uh, in 90, you, uh, you got fifth in 90, and then in 91, you moved to 250s. Was 91... Was that the Japan Stanton incident, or was it '92? I couldn't remember. No, that was '91. Was, was okay. Japan. Yeah. So you follow that Parker was... the whole year. Your arch enemy, Tramp, is Parker, all all year, and you're right on him. You guys are swapping out wins, and at the last GP in Japan, Stanton goes over, Kudowski goes over, and I've, you know I've heard Stanton's yeah. side of the story, and and you took a swing at Jeff on the podium. I talk about that a little bit. Like what yeah, happened? I, I, hit him before the podium. I hit him oh. in, the, in the paddock area. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, I don't know. I, I understand. Something you regret I, now? Something you regret or? No, hell no. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, but I understand it more now. Mm-hmm. I look back at it and stuff. I mean, and I actually wasn't even really that pissed off at him in the first place. Okay. Because I, I outrode him. I outrode, you know, all the guys that I raced all year long. Yeah. You know? My lap times were faster than his, mm-hmm. and if he didn't, you know, straight up just T-bone me, he wouldn't have beat me, you know? Yeah. And so that's just the way it is. You know, he went over there to do a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it was. Yeah. You know, Honda paid him a lot of money to make sure that, you know, Honda won and, and Parker got the title. Right. And so be it. it I mean, it's kind of like you going there to ride for Stribos, I guess, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, One of those things. And, you know. That was just the corner I let my guard down in, you know. And, but, I mean, basically, when I got off the track, I had a couple guys come up to me, like Willie Ferrat and those guys. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you don't go there to kick his ass, I'm going to go kick his ass. You know, he <laughs> took your title. And, yeah. And I got, you know, I got eight into it, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Four points, dude. Yeah. Fuck, that's, that's rough. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was three points. It was exactly one moto. Yeah, you know, yeah. The difference between first and second place. Yeah, yeah. If I would have won that moto, me and Parker would have been tied for for the, the year. Mm-hmm. Points. Yep. And then it would come down to who won more motos. And I had more moto wins than Parker. So this so, was, um, 
so this is um, Parker, Puzar, Schmidt, right? Was Donnie there still? No, Donnie rode 125 Do that year. Donnie rode 125. Okay. Did you get along yeah. with Parker? Did you? Were you? Were you guys too? Yeah. Were you too much yeah, rivals we, to to talk? No, no, we were buddies. Okay. Yeah, we were, we were buddies. I mean, I really didn't have too many enemies out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, either either you know I beat you or I broke the bike trying to beat you. Yeah, yeah. You know the. Um, if, if I didn't win, it wasn't on anybody else but me. I always thought about when I was a kid reading these magazines, like Bobby Moore, religious, small little guy, real prim and proper, and you were his teammate, yep. and you went the other way. At least the magazines and Cycle News, you know what I mean? I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't there, but I'm just, I always laughed because the dichotomy between you two guys, it was like, these guys were once RM80 teammates, and, and here's Healy, headband, earrings, oh, yeah. rock and roll yeah. hair, and Bobby Moore, short haircut, small guy, just all quiet. <laughs> <laughs> racing yep. in GPs. No, so. and it's, it's funny because we grew up, you know, racing mini cycles together. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, our our parents were, were friends. My mom and dad were buddies with his mom and dad. Oh, were they? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And I mean. You guys were good. Um, well, well, Bobby's dad used to own ProTrack Trailer back in the day. Oh, I didn't know that. ProTrack yeah, Trailers? They, really? Yeah. And they actually used to sponsor Magoo. Right. They used to help Danny Magoo out, and that's, I mean, the first time I ever met Chandler was through Bobby. I didn't know that. You know, back, okay. back in the day doing the Gold State races and stuff. Dude, you were the shit if you had a ProTrack trailer back in the day. And, and Jim Moore was the owner and founder of ProTrack Trailer. I did not know that. Wow, look at that. I learned something. Yep. Um, BTOsports.com, RaceRex podcast with Mike Healy. Uh, listen to these commercials right here from Race Tech Suspension. You probably used Race Tech Suspension at some point in your career, Healy. And uh, uh, not really. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> and uh, use uh, Pulpamex 2015 code to save money at Racetech.com. Get your suspension looked at, and of course, Michelin Star Cross Five. Do you ever lose Michelin tires? Uh, actually, I did. I, I okay. rode over. Perfect. Uh, my Last year, I rode over there when I rode the 500 class. We rode for Michelin. Well, I got a new one. Starcross 5, Healy. Check it out. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Listen to these commercials. We'll be right back with uh, Mike Healy. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you... Eh, probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you, Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven, they work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. 
people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come in the corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelins uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out, the local dealer people. These guys know tires, and they know what they're doing. Welcome back to the show. Uh, BTOsports.com, RaceRex podcast presented by Fox Racing with Mike Healy. So, yeah, so you, you, you swing at Stanton. Things get gnarly. You lose the title by three points. Um, this is now, I mean, this is three straight years in the top five, though. So, like, you're, you're making a name. You're winning GPs. You're coming up. Talk about the switch to Suzuki. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome. Number two, be iffy gear, like a good look for you. That was strong. Yeah, I was actually promised a lot of stuff that year. During the offseason, uh, Gabor's offered me a lot. Okay. He promised me a lot. I was supposed to keep my same mechanic. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to keep my same everything. Basically, all I was doing was changing bikes. And when I signed my contract, that was under the agreement that it was with. Uh-huh. You know, and I was told that all the, everything's going to stay the same. We're just changing colors, you know, bikes. Yeah. When you come back from your, your winter break kind of deal, when you go home and come back, don't worry. You know, you're going to still have Graham Ken as your mechanic. You're still going to live in the, in the same town in Belgium. Everything's going to be the same. Yep. I came back and it was nothing. <laughs> Everything was you different. Just, oh, the the whole the rugs were pulled out from underneath me like you wouldn't believe. Oh shit! And and the more that I questioned it, the more that I kind of questioned their their authority kind of deal. You know, is the worst it got. I mean, it literally got to a point to where I was like, I was asking to get off the team. I was literally asking the boys to fire me. Really? You know? Yeah. I said I, I want off. I said this sucks. You know, was, uh, and it was, Everett was your teammate, I would guess, back yeah. then? Yeah. 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 Devon was my teammate. And it, it's not his fault. I yeah, mean, yeah. No, he, no, he, I know. What he's supposed to do. He went out and he's riding. And, you know, he's. Were they he's, treating he, him well and you worse? Because sometimes oh, yeah. that happens. No, yeah, that sometimes yeah, that goes on. Tampered. Right, right. I, I, yeah. I, w- I was pulled into the, the camper at the first round of the year and literally told to stay away from Stefan. That. 
anytime I got close to him that things were going to, were going to start changing. If I ever got in there and, you know, if I bumped into him or knocked him over or anything like that, you like, know, I was, you're like, bro, I was, I was second in the, I was second in the points last year. I'm here to win. Well, that's, what, right. that's what I told him. I said, I said, there's a number two on that bike for a reason. Yeah. I, I said, you know, I'm supposed to be the number one rider on the team. And they just laughed. <laughs> and I just went, wow. So this is the way it's going to be. And they said, pretty much. Yeah. So shit. And, you know, about three quarters of the way through the, the year, you know, the Japanese were coming over to Belgium and they want to know why I'm not doing anything, why I'm not winning, mm-hmm. you know? So they put the bike up on the dyno and my bike was putting out less horsepower than a production bike. Oh man. Jeez. You know, it was, yeah. yeah, it was insane. It was just, it was ridiculous. So. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's not good you know, for sure. Well, I, guess, I mean, at least the money was good, right? Because you probably got a nice race to go to Suzuki. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I made a lot of money, you know, going to Suzuki. But mm-hmm. and then again, it was also you know a waste of a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, you right. Know, All your momentum was kind of gone from yeah, the year before. Yeah, well, halfway through that year, I mean, I was asking if I could just have my KTM's back. <laughs> I was. I was. I told them that Suzuki. You know, I straight up. I said here. I said, just keep the rest of the money. I said, I don't want the money. I don't want anything. Just let me out of my contract. And actually had the KTMs sitting there waiting for me. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're going to yeah. go back. Ferrioli was going to give me everything back the way I had it uh-huh. you know, from the KTMs before and everything. Yep. yep. And they wouldn't let me out of my contract. Oh, geez. So then it just came down to a point to where, you know, my contract said that I had to qualify. You know, I had to make the, the program at every race. And it just, I mean, the bikes weren't just, they were junk. It just wasn't even any fun to go to the track. Yeah. Yeah. You, so, there's a little weird stuff that goes on sometimes with some of those Euro teams. Uh, many stories yeah. of guys, not just you, but Parker. I did one of these with Parker a couple years ago, and he told me the same thing for some of those early teams that he rode for, too, where he was like, listen, mother effers, give me yeah. a good bike. Give me stuff. You know, I know you're not, you know? And yep. Yeah. And we're, you know, they, they play their little games. We're like, you know, I was a mechanic forever over here, and. I worked at Team Yamaha with Ferry, Reed, and Villamin, and there was none of that going on. Nobody cared. Just the best guy wins. You all get the same shit, you know? And Yeah, it's, they definitely yeah. have their, their favorites over there. Right. But you know, what was funny was, is, you know, okay, I didn't get the mechanic that I was promised, mm-hmm. you know? So they end up giving me a mechanic, and his name was Yarmo. Yarmo came from Pekka Vakonin's Team Yamaha. Okay. Team the yeah. prior year. Yeah. He was the tire changer from the Yamaha team. He didn't know anything about motors, <laughs> nothing at all. He was the guy that changed the tires. Oh, jeez. That was that was my mechanic. Now his his right hand man was Harry Everts, Stefan's father. Yep. That was my second mechanic. Huh. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. That's really imagine, weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Huh? Right. So, right. Oh. Yeah, so I um, to say that I didn't have the, the fastest motors in the, on the track. <laughs> no, it was a shitty year. But but it also, the one good thing about this year is there's like an urban legend about Mike Healy. You showed up at Steel City at the end of the year on a on a beat-down RM125. I heard you slept in an Astro van overnight. I heard there yep. may or may not have been beer cans coming out of the truck yeah, in the morning. May, may or may not, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm yeah. So like, there's I this know. urban legend of Mike Healy showing up at Steel City. You, you, uh, you won a moto, I think, right? And then you got second overall. Yep. And like, all the American guys are probably like, "What?" And that had to well, feel pretty good. You were like, "Listen, bitches, I'm still good." <laughs> well, I, you know, 
you don't lose it in a year. Yeah. I mean, you have a bad year, you don't lose it. But it, it's, you know, it's so good to just throw it back in Gabor's face. Yeah, a little bit, right? You know, because, yeah. Well, I went to the last race of the year, uh-huh. and and I was in Japan with my mom, and literally, I knew I was fired. You know, I tried to get fired the whole year. <laughs> right, right. You know, and I ended up this, the second moto, the last moto of the year, I left the bike out in the middle of the track. I mean, that's how bad it was. I left the bike sitting in a mud hole in the middle of the track in Japan yeah. and walked back to the pits. Yeah. And, you know, me and my mom are in the, the hotel and we're getting ready to go to dinner and stuff. And the boys calls me into his room and, you know, uh, Mr. Healy, you know, your, your contract's terminated. Yeah, geez, finally, thanks. You know, good. Good, yeah. And he goes, well, when you go home, I want you to uh, – pack everything up and take it all back to uh, Suzuki U.S. Okay. And I said, no, you still owe me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I said, you'll get your bikes back to the factory when I get my last paycheck. Yeah. I said, I, I know how you, you work, and I don't trust you. Yeah. So when I get my last paycheck, you'll get all your bikes, and you get all your parts, and everything will be there. Don't worry. I said, you want to trust me? Then I'll trust you. And when I got back to the States, I started talking with Mitch Payton, those guys, about racing back here in the state. Sure, yeah. And Mitch goes, you know what? If if you want to come back and ride for me, you got to prove something to me that you can that you're worthy of coming back here and doing this. Mm-hmm. And I, Mitch always having a 125 team, so I had my 125 here. I asked him, you know, Mitch, can you help me build it? No problem. Bring it in. We'll see what we can do. And this was a bike that I rode every day that I was home. You know, I, yeah. I, my 125 was beat up, you know, <laughs> when I took it in the pro circuit. I mean, it was, I, I rode Golden State on it. Every it, I rode everything on it. I loved that. The 125 that year, I loved that bike. Yeah, yeah. And literally just built it the best I could. Every sponsor that I could, I, you know, yeah. I built the best I could. And it was just me and a buddy. That mechanics for me, Gary Delgatti, jumped in his Astro van. Okay, so the Astro van crew is part. That's true. The Astro oh, yeah. van is true. Okay. Oh, yeah. We, we <laughs> drove cross country in an Astro van. Right. We had, you know, the gas can, the toolbox, the bike in backwards. Yeah. A couple spare parts. And, I mean, we had a ghetto blaster because the, the radio didn't even work. <laughs> you, know, you know, an Astro van has a governor on it. Yeah. It only does, only does 75 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> try, passing a, try passing a semi and, and the thing shutting off at 75 miles an hour. Yeah. It's not much. Dude, it's you got to you, you gotta be the last guy to win a moto out of a van in the history of moto. Right? Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's the way it happened. I, literally, yeah. we pulled in there and, you know, pulled in between the box and the Suzuki. Mm-hmm. And like you said, things fell out of the, the doors when we <laughs> opened it up. Right. And... Buzzard looked at me and he said, "Nope, you can't park over here." <laughs> nope. You know, Ray Sellerton put me right over into the, the privateer parking. Nope, beat it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Kicked me right out of there. So I went over the privateer parking and you know People, put up my easy up and. Were you one one one? What number were you? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. With BFE gear, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, the thing is, is I I learned from the years with. Surratt and those guys in Suzuki that, you know, if I'm going to this race and I know Suzuki still pays contingency money, mm-hmm. I'm going to go there and I'm going to represent the team that I'm supposed to represent. Mm-hmm. I had the bike exactly like the factory bikes. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, like our, our bikes in Europe. Yep. I had all the right stickers on it. I went over the road with the right gear, everything perfect. Right. You know, if something were to happen and I were to do good, yeah. then, then I get paid. You know, yeah, like the, not, yeah, if yeah, I the, don't, then I just look like an idiot. Yeah, you had the big S like properly on your jersey or whatever, right? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did everything I was supposed to do. And, Dude, you know, so in the second moto, did you work your way into the lead? Did you hole shot? No, I, How hole, to, I hole shot it. And then I just just see you later. Yep, start to finish. Dude, that had been feel that had to feel pretty good. It was. It was. It was cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was just it. You know, of course, it was great to, to be able to run and, and beat Emig and those guys. and Yeah. You know, but I know I can run with them. I've, I've ridden with them a million times. And yeah, yeah. I beat them. They beat me. It was just a, a better feeling to get it over and done with and get back to the hotel room and call Gabor's. <laughs> and just say, you know, buddy, I did just win the national. You know, I just won the second moto. Right, right. You know, call my manager and tell her to, you know, call Gabor's and, and remind him again that he owes me a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. Buzzard, so that, Buzzard was like, shit, we should have had you park with us, damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I've, known, I've known Buzzard for a long, long right, time. Right, right. So, yeah, it was, he's a good dude. Um, so you go back to Europe, you move with the 500 class. I think you're on a Honda? What do you got, who do you ride no, for? I, I just did, actually, I just did one year over there. Oh, okay. Or not one year, I just did one race on the Honda. Oh, okay. Just for fun. All right. I stayed home. I stayed home. You were over it. Road. You were over it. Well, I got a ride with Tough Racing over here. Oh, okay. And I did a year for Tough Racing over here, trying to do, we were going to do the 125 class, and that's just when they had split, that last year that they were splitting the 125, 250, and 500s up. Yeah, yeah. And so I was going to ride the 125s for Tough, and that just fell apart. You know, they keep yeah. a bike. But whoever it was, I can't even remember the guy's name that was doing the our motors for us. Yeah. Um, they couldn't even get a bike to stay running in the box stand. <laughs> it would it would literally lock up and seize sitting on the stand. Yeah, yeah. And just Jeez. over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but I I know he went. We went testing one time at Carlsbad, mm-hmm. and he literally put a tachometer on the on the crossbar of my bike and wanted me to shift on like a certain RPM and stuff. <laughs> and I just said, man, you're insane. This is not going to work. I said, you said, you want me to watch a tachometer while I'm riding? Right. Right. You know, and I'm just, no, nah, this ain't going to work. Um, you know, and at some you know. point I watched, I did one of these with Shane King a little while ago. And so I watched a season pr- preview show or p- season review on YouTube. This is 96. Uh-huh. So this is years later. You go. You're in Europe on a 500 two-stroke, and everyone's on four strokes. And they talk about you, and they show you for a bit, and they say Healy should have switched to four strokes. <laughs> was, was I on the, on the KTM? No, I think you were on a Honda, two, the Honda two-stroke. Okay, so, yeah, that's. I just went over there for one weekend. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I just went over to England for one weekend. You know, they were going to pay me a little money to come over and do it. No, this I, was Italy. You probably don't even remember was this. Italy? Yeah, it was a season opener in '88, '96. And then I was no, I was riding, I was riding the uh, the KTM. Were you? Okay, all right. Yeah, I was riding KTMs, and um, no, I ended up I I was I had pole position for starting mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. And um, I actually was I did I think I roached the motor the first moto and the second moto I was like third or fourth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was just off the podium. I did good. Yeah. 
and actually that was what ended like my my racing career over there. Yeah, yeah. Was I had actually crashed Tuesday after that race in Milan, and that's when I was announced dead on the track. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, wow. That's when I I shattered my my ribs and and, and punctured my lungs. Jeez, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, and I went straight into surgery and all that stuff and. Um, yeah, at this point, I, I mean, home. yeah, this is... Yeah, I, I came home, and the doctor said I was lucky to be alive, and um, my mechanic, you know, forced me to come back real quick, and I went back to, like, the next round. I, yeah, I yeah. missed maybe one round. <laughs> right. And I went back, and, I mean, it, I could barely walk. And I remember qualifying. I had no trouble qualifying. I, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I went went around on the start of the first moto and I got hit in the chest by a big old rock and it just leveled me. Yeah. And I just I <laughs> rolled to a stop and I just laid there and cried like a little baby. Oh shit. And my mechanic was just cussing me out, just, you know, you're such a pussy, this and that and I'm just like <laughs> he just I, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, so yeah. I, I packed things up and didn't even tell him. I when we went back Sunday night to Belgium, I packed up a, a carry on bag and I drove to the airport, and I flew home and never turned around. Wow. I never said goodbye to nobody, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, you guys don't care about me, I'm done. And I came home, I I had a, a daughter, yep. you know, a little baby girl, and I was married. You know, and I had my parents and all that. And mm-hmm. I said, no, I'm I'm not going to live this way. I, I've done it before, it's, it's, and yeah. you know, I'm not going to do it again. You know, I, I, so, go to, I go to Europe quite a bit, and you know, a lot of the guys that you raced with, are now managers or they're still around or some of those old motor guys are still around, you know, doing different things. And I'm friends with them. I've been over there so many times. A lot of them have like Mike Healy stories and they, they smile, <laughs> they smile, not bad shit. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. you made a lot of friends over there. A lot of people really liked you. And, uh, I don't know if you keep, still keep in tra- touch with any of those dudes over there, but you left a mark with many guys over there that I talked to. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't get a chance to, to talk right. to them, you know, like we do on the phone like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, since I went back to school and everything, and, and I'm part of this, you know, Instagram and all that. Right, yeah, yeah. A lot of them, a lot of people have been getting in touch with me and just, you know, you know, kind of saying thank you yeah. for, you know, the years and all that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's really been cool. If you get ever get your things. If you ever get your neck fixed up and you can ride again, you know, they have those vet designations race in England. Dude, yes, you you I, would be a hit. I've, I've actually they wanted me to come over this year. Yeah, and and I just couldn't do it because of you know legal reasons and stuff. Oh, I guess true. Yeah, and, yeah, it's tough too, right? Um, and um, but I told him I said as soon as I can do it, I I want to come over. Yeah, even if it's just to come over and you know yeah just be part of it or whatever. I you know yeah because. Like you had a lot of like you, like you, I think you told me one time there's like you know Mike Healy fan clubs and you know Euro fans are different yeah. than American fans they're nuts oh yeah and yeah. they loved your you know the look and the way you acted and, and like I said some of these guys in Europe they tell me stories they're like oh Mike Healy he is wide open he is wide open <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's what I hear that's what I yep. hear so yeah it's kind of cool hopefully you get to do that at some point Mike like go back and yeah see I, some I, of these dudes I you know so. I've had you know. Especially now that I'm, you know, I'm cutting hair and stuff. Yeah, I've, you know, I've actually had offers to come over and good. work over there. Too. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, you know, it's, it's cool. A lot of doors are opening up now for me. Yeah, and you begin to realize, like, oh man, at the time you don't stop and look back and think anything of it, but now years later, you know, through the ups and the downs, you look back and you go, 
wow, man, I really made an impact on some people. You know, I gave somebody my jersey or I did this or I, I, exactly. I rode this race. And you're like, I never really appreciated it. But wait a minute. People actually like me, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so. well, exactly. I, I was, uh, was it not last night, the night before, I was texting back and forth with David Bailey. Oh, cool. And we, yeah. and we were telling, you know, swapping stories back and forth about Madura, about Italy. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and actually he sent me a picture you know, where he thought I had better style than he did. Yeah, you had and good I style. Was laughing, and I was just laughing because, I mean, that, that's David Bailey. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the king of, king of style. Yeah. You but, know, and it's just funny. I know it was a shitty year for you, but the BFE Suzuki number two was a good look for you. Looking good on the bike. I, I was going to say, I, I got some, some pictures from that year, and yeah. I mean, it did. It was a cool look. Yeah, yeah. You know, it really was. It was definitely a cool look. But, um. I liked the year before, though, on the KTM with the Roxy gear. Yeah, 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 it's true, yeah, yeah, the Roxy gear. How did you ever do with the USGPs when you came over? I don't remember, and I should have done some research before I sat down with this podcast, but when you came to America, so this would have been Butts Creek, maybe, Unadilla? Well, we did one at, we did one at Unadilla. Okay. And that was the 250s in 91. Okay. Um, and we went back the next year to Unadilla again. So, yeah, we did two there. Yeah. Did you ever do any well? Did you ever do any good? Did it feel good to come to the Unadilla and and you know? No. It, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It just I let things get to me. Oh, okay. Basically. Yeah. Um, when we came over here, Stanton, you know, kind of got under my skin, mm-hmm. and he was talking bad about the Americans going over to Europe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he said they're has-beens or something, I remember. Exactly. Yeah, I, I yeah. let it get under my skin, and, yeah. you know, it was all my mechanics do just to keep me in the box stand because I was <laughs> going to take off across the, the pits with a hammer. Well, Schmidt was pissed, too, I remember. And none of them, none of them, like, they didn't show up for the the, the press conference and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to talk all that smack and then not even show up and, and talk to the press. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was kind of embarrassed to even put myself with them. Right, right. You know, I was I was proud to to come home and race in America and and all that. And then when they start talking like that, then you know, that, you know I was I was kind of embarrassed. So yeah, um, that was I, yeah, I, I I watched that race and Larry Myers was going on about that, you know, about Stanton saying that stuff and about upsetting. Schmidt and and Healy and the Americans over there and and and, and yeah you're right and I I don't know if Jeff regrets saying it I've never talked to him about it but I wonder if you ask him now if he you know I don't know if it was in Cycle News or wherever it was but I wonder if yeah that's kind of not 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 that cool I, mean, I like I, Jeff I, but yeah that's not that cool to say <laughs> I, I'm sure he wouldn't I'm sure it never bothered him but yeah you know um you know it is what it is and you know yeah. I let a lot of that get under my skin when I when I probably shouldn't have. You know, maybe I was just that kind of racer, though, man. I, well, I, yeah, I was the kind of person that I I wore it on my sleeve. You know, yeah, that kind of stuff. I let you, I let you know it bugged me. Yeah, that kind of stuff helped you on the track. I'm sure was what I was going to say, like the emotions and you know, the it, passion and everything it, else. It, it, it went either way. I yeah, mean, yeah. There's times that I let it overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. I, I actually blew a lot of races because I let my emotions get to me. Right, right. You know. And there's other times that where I would the emotions would take the best of me, and I would beat holy crap out of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, yeah, it could go either way. Right. 
Uh, Mike Healy on the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast. Uh, all right, uh, Mike, I'll ask you a few questions here. We'll wrap it up. Thank you for doing this. I hope you. Hope you yeah, no problem. It's been all right. Um, best bike you ever rode? What was the best bike you ever had? The best bike that I ever had? Um, big bike, little bike? Anything. I mean, just one bike that you just remember being so bitching. Not, not the 92 RM250. Or R ninety three. No, um, it was what was it? Nineteen eighty four. My R and D one hundred five. Oh, Super Mini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you were on the cover of Mini Cycle Action or something with that. That was the best. That I remember when we were getting that bike ready. We we're testing it mm-hmm. for for Ponca City. I, I mean, I was already riding a one twenty five and two fifty before yeah. Ponca City because I'd already signed my contract. Right. And I didn't even want to go back and get on a little bike and ride. Mm-hmm. And Rudy and Dean Dickinson promised me that they would build me a bike. Because I, I only wanted to ride Super Mini Class because that's the only thing I felt that was, I was going to be competitive because I was already getting bigger. Right. I was riding a big bike. And they promised me that they would build a bike that would scare me. <laughs> and I remember at Saddleback, the big starting line at Saddleback, the big uphill. Mm-hmm. Nine out of ten starts, I was doing side-by-side with David Bailey on his Works 250. I would have three bike lengths to the turn on him every time. Jeez. Holy shit. And, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, factory Honda couldn't understand it. They couldn't believe it. And, I mean, this bike was so amazing that when we went back to Ponca City, I the main event, I, I got antsy, and I stuck the bike in the gate. Literally stuck the front wheel and buried it in the gate where it took three people to get the bike out of the gate. <laughs> I hit it that hard. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, fourth lap, I came around with a, a three bike length lead. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> and this is when this is when Eddie Hicks was right. riding the, you know, the, the DMC seventy five thousand dollar DMC bike, right. all aluminum bike and everything, and and you know, God knows how beautiful that bike looked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Miller could Miller could bike build a bike like you wouldn't believe right but r&d built me a motor that they promised me and yeah it was good <laughs> yeah that thing was cool wouldn't you like to have that now wouldn't it be cool to have in your basement or something i think i think they still have it do they really oh wow i think i believe dean still has it in his he's got a like a storage garage yeah yeah i know they they were going to give it the next year. They tried to give it to Scott Brown. Okay. To ride. Yeah. And it scared him. <laughs> and Scotty, Scotty rode it, and they actually took it away from him because he did one, one race on it and scared him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it, the bike was lightning. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. it was really, it was that fast. It was scary. Jeez. Um, favorite track. What's your favorite track? Favorite right, one or, track. One or two um, tracks. Uh, my favorite track is, is probably Majura, Majura, Italy. Yeah, I'm, we're supposed to go there back there for the Nations next year. So. And that's I was talking with with Bailey about that. Yeah, you know, he was telling me about it. You know, about that it's coming back and it's the 30 year anniversary right. for uh, for him and Ricky and Johnny. Right. And I just told him how neat it would be to to go back and just of what that race means and and you know the history of that race and. You know how I, you know, it'd be cool 
to be able to have my legal stuff cleared up and, yeah. and be able to make enough money to afford a, an airplane ticket to go back there to, to see that race. You know, I, I was telling him that it would be amazing. That would be a cool thing to go do. I met the owner of it at the, the Nations this year. <laughs> Through yeah. my buddy Adam Wheeler, and you know, they, they, it was under it had weeds on it. It wasn't even a motocross track anymore for so long, and they they redid it like a couple years ago, and they brought Johnny out, um, you know, to ride a CR one twenty five around it when it came back. And uh-huh. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring those three back over at the end of the, end of next year to to do it. But wow. yeah, it's a big that deal. Cool. I'm looking forward to going. Yeah. I'm looking forward to. It. I've never been, obviously. So yeah, yeah, I would like to be able to go. You know, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm crossing my fingers because it would definitely be a, a, a dream. Right. Um, so. All right. Uh, another question for you. Uh, uh-huh. Best race you ever had. I mean, you've, won, you've had a ton. You've won a ton. Was there a day or a moto? I mean, I, we talked about Steel City, so maybe that's the one. But was there a time where you were just untouchable or just a day where you were just, uh, you know, couldn't be beat by um, anybody? Something stand out? Let's, let's see. I mean, it's hard to say. Um, okay, yeah. Because it's, I mean, just racers have have great motos here and there and stuff. And, you know, I like I said, there was Ponca City where, yep. where I got stuck in the gate and came all the way through to win my title. Um, I'm trying to think of a... Yeah, one just, that stands out. Steel City was an amazing race. For sure. You know that yeah. that still sticks out on a practice um, bike with the in the Astro yeah. van. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Right. Um, trying to think. Probably 1985. Uh huh. First week of January. Anaheim Supercross. Yeah, 125. To be the first 125 to win Anaheim Supercross. Yeah. Yeah, that was the you. first year that they brought. 125 in to Supercross. Yep. To be in my backyard. Right. Um, yeah, that'd be cool, no doubt. Um, all right, yeah. Uh, you know that that would that would have to be it. You know that's. I mean, even I was a, a senior in high school at 16 years old. Sure. Majority of the kids in my school didn't even know that I rode bikes, <laughs> and they were all all at that race. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Dogger Dogger tells a story. He won in San Diego in '83, and he yeah. was also a senior in high school. And he was like, "That was a good week for me with chicks and yeah, stuff." That, like he was, yeah. he was stoked. I went, I went back. I went back to school on Monday, and there was a picture of me on the school newspaper. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. It was cool. It was, it was a big thing. Do you still have much memorabilia at all from your racing days? Do you have anything? I, I have it all. Oh, that's I, awesome. My mom my mom has saved every <laughs> newspaper article. I, I have it all. Oh, that'd be awesome. Some I, some of those trophies and gear you have and, you know, that kind of stuff would be just great. Yeah, I, yep. I, I have it all. You know, luckily, you know, my, my mom is, right. has saved everything for me. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, like I said, we were going through stuff just the other yeah, day, yeah, you know, with, a week or two ago, and right. and found all the memorial shirts from you know, yeah, from the guys. A, yeah, I guess you I, when you say you have a memorial shirt from 1981 or 82, I should assume that you have everything else. Then, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So. Okay, so are you an Axel Rose guy or a Slash guy? Because you know they're they're enemies. They were enemies forever. Which guy did I'm you get along sla- with I'm better? Slash, I'm a Slash guy. Okay, so you got along with Slash better. All right. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, it was just, it was a whole different deal. But 
Yeah. The way that I don't, I don't know, Axel's kind of turned into a prima donna. Yeah, I know. I don't, they all don't like him. He doesn't like that. It's just a gnarly so, thing. I don't know. I'm just, a, I, yeah. I, I read all their biographies. I'm into like music a lot. So it's, it's really cool that you were such buddies with them when they broke. And, you know, I mean, God damn, they were the biggest band in the world for so yep. long, you know? Exactly. So. And yep. the, the whole thing was, from what I understand, the whole reason they broke up was that Axel wanted to clean up and he just wanted to go down a different road. And, yeah, and all the guys are like, "Well, we got into this this business because they want to party. They want to party and chase women, and that's yeah. What, you know, that Dude, thing. let them do it." Diamond had Motley Crue, and Mike Healy had GNR. Yeah, <laughs> 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 those are the days of Moto. Days. And then nowadays they all train Healy. They all train and take it all seriously. They're in bed yeah, by what's nine. That, what's that called? Come on. <laughs> uh, the the '90s yep. motocross is it's no longer around anymore. So. Well, yeah, now now what do we do? We we cut hair. Come on. <laughs> right, exactly. You're like, dude, 20 years ago I was on a podium uh, at an after party after sweeping a GP, and now I'm cutting hair. <laughs> yep. Now I'm having fun. No, that's good. No, I, that's great. Um, and everything else is going well in your life and, and all that? Everything's yeah. good? good? Good to hear. Yeah, I, I graduated from Paul Mitchell uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago I graduated. Uh-huh. And... Um, I mean, I still got some hours left to do, you know, on mm-hmm. the clock before I can register to go take my state board license and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, everything's been going good. Awesome. Um, you know, basically, I'm, I'm. My main goal is to finish school. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I started in January, and it's you know, I'm just plugging away. Right, right. Know? And I'm just doing everything I have to do to keep everything straight. You know, right. And, on on the narrow, so you know, I, I talked to Dogger a lot. He's a good friend of mine, and he had a lot of issues too after he retired and everything else. And he said, "Man, everybody tries to help you. Everybody wants to do your, the best for you. They all love you. They all care for you." But until I decided myself <laughs> that I wanted to do it, it was never going to happen. No matter how much people talk to me and all this kind of stuff. Exactly. Did you did you find that also? Is that the same way? Exactly. Yeah. That's the way it is. Is you know. And nobody understands how bad it is or the road that you go down, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's just, it's tough, you know, and it's a decision that I have to make. Yeah. No matter how bad anybody wants me to do certain things, yeah. you know, it, it's a decision I have to make for myself. And, you know, it's really sad to say that it, I had to go all that way before I realized, you know, what, what I'm going to do. Right, right. You know, but... You know, so be it. I had to take the slap in the face and, you know, do the bad things I did and whatever it was. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I've changed my whole life. And I'm, I'm a lot happier person nowadays for it. That's awesome. It's so, good to hear. Yeah, um, you know, it's going to actually, go ahead. I actually look forward to getting up in the morning and going to school. And yeah, I mean, uh, if you guys could see the way I look every day going to school, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised. I mean, I'm. I am the classic barber, man. I, I yeah, yeah. tie on oh, fenders, my wingtip shoes, all that. Oh, nice, nice. I, I like that. Know, um, and again, like you had such great hair when you raced. <laughs> it's just ironic now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, who's also going to love listening to this too is is our mutual friend Kenny Watson. So uh, Watson yeah. is. Uh, I still talk Kenny to him all Watson. the time. So uh, I talk to him all the time, and I know he's going to listen to this and. Uh, He's another guy that's been there down the road a little bit and uh, good friends with yep. you. So it's it's great to uh, to hear you doing well, exactly. and I know he'll be pumped. So cool, Mike Healy. Thank you for doing the podcast, man. Uh, I'm glad well, we got to do it. it. I'm glad everything's great. I hope you get on a bike again. I hope you get to Europe again because I think you'd you'd find yourself 
surprised by how many people remember the the things I'm, that you I'm, did for every them. Day, yeah. I'm, every day I'm I'm seeing a little bit more, you know, and it's I I realize that I actually did spread a lot of love and a lot of good stuff through the world, and you know what. I'm, I'm glad that these people are bringing it back to me and showing me that, you know, because yeah. it, it means the world to me. And if you're listening and you want to follow Mike on Instagram, Healy Barber 99. So uh, just follow him on you there and check everything out. And um, yeah, man, thanks for doing this. Oh man. Anytime, anytime. It's my pleasure. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. See ya. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Miguel was all, you know, he did the big pancake thing. Right. And, right. and he's got the thing. He's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The beast from the east, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled piss and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts.